0: Hi there. Welcome to Healing University. My name is Daniel Amstutz. I'm the director of the Healing School here at Karis Bible College in Colorado. And what a blessing it is to be able to come together as an in-depth study in the topic of healing. There is so much to unpack, and we are so grateful for this opportunity. This um, is going to be lesson number nine in section one, and it's entitled The Healing Ministry of Of the church. So I'm so excited to present this healing teaching today, and I know it's going to be a blessing. And just thank you again for being a part of our Healing University curriculum. This is awesome. So I want to talk about the healing ministry of the church. Matthew 16 and verse 18, Jesus said, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. We'll see through this teaching today that the church and the body of Christ are the same thing, but that the church is not made up of a building. We know that, right? The church is made up of believers. The church is people. And the word for church in the Greek is ecclesia, which means the called out ones. God literally called you out of ordinary and lack of purpose because he is committed to building you while you are still here on the earth. Think about this in regards to healing for a minute. John fourteen twelve, Jesus told us that we would do the same works he did while we still are here on the earth. Acts 10, 38 tells us that Jesus went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil for God was with him. So if you and I are going to do the same works, then we need to be ministering healing because that's what Jesus did. So first John four and verse 17 says this as he is. So are we in this world, in this life, hallelujah. God has called us to not be conformed to the world's way of thinking or the world's way of living. We know that Jesus came to give us abundant life and that he's called us literally to thrive and not just survive. Wow. He's still building us on the divine revelation. That Christ is the anointed head. And as believers, we are all a part of the body of Christ. That revelation is literally now our foundation. Jesus Christ is our cornerstone. He is our only foundation. And he is committed to building us. We are the church. You know, because of oftentimes because of lack of knowledge and because of unbelief, The church has limited its influence in our generation. But God is building us. And listen, grace is abounding in every area, including the area of healing. Trust me when I say the best is yet to come. It's true. I believe that for you right now. The best is yet to come. Let me take you back in time just for a minute. Long before the concept of church was ever known, God has always wanted a dwelling place. He's always wanted a relationship. And I'm going to go back to Exodus just for a minute, and then we'll, we'll come back to the new covenant again. But Exodus chapter 25, verses 8 and 9, God spoke something to Moses, and, and here's what he told him. He says, Let them make me a sanctuary or a sacred place that I may dwell among them. According to all that I show you, that is the pattern of the tabernacle And the pattern of all its furnishings, just so shall you make it. We see very specific design in what God had in mind for this particular dwelling place or this sacred place, this sanctuary. So God gives detailed instructions about his design. And then he tells them something really interesting in this next passage, which we find in the same chapter, but verses 18 through 22. So Exodus 25 verses 18 through 22. Let me read it for you. And you shall make two cherubim of gold of hammered work. You shall make them at the two ends of the mercy seat. Make one cherub at one end and the other cherub at the other end. You shall make the cherubim at the two ends of it of one piece with the mercy seat. And the cherubim shall stretch out their wings above covering the mercy seat with their wings and they shall face one another and the faces of the cherubim shall be toward the mercy seat. You shall put the mercy seat on top of the ark and in the ark, you shall put the testimony that I will give you and watch this. And there I will meet with you and I will speak with you from above the mercy seat. From between the two cherubim, which are on the Ark of the Testimony, about everything which I will give you in commandment to the children of Israel. Well, so what am I talking about? One day as I was studying this, I was really struck with the idea that there was nothing there between the wings of the cherubim except empty space. And there, in that place, the Lord God chose to meet and to speak with Moses, that place of empty space. Now, why I, I, I asked myself questions like this when I'm in the word all the time. I don't know about you, but I, I said, why would God say there? I will meet with you. And there I will speak with you when there was nothing there. As I was thinking about this, the Holy spirit spoke to me. And this is what he said, Daniel, if you will give me your empty space, I'll turn it into a holy place. Wow. My whole world was rocked by that revelation. Only God can take an empty place, a place called empty, and fill it with himself. Only God can turn empty space into a holy place. All he needs from us is our yes. So I just found it very interesting that there was an angel at one end of the Ark of the Covenant with wings spread inward. And there was another angel on this side of the top of the Ark of the Covenant with wings spread. But in between was nothing but empty space. And God says there, between the wings of the cherubim, is where I'm going to meet with you. And the Lord literally showed me that if we'll give God our empty space, he will turn it into a holy place. Well, then he told me later, he said, I want to take you to a passage down in the New Testament and show you this. So come with me to the Gospels now to John chapter 20. We're going to start with verse one. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. And so she ran and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved and said to him, they've taken away the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they've laid him. Peter therefore went out and the other disciple and we're going to the tomb. So they both ran together. And the other disciple outran Peter and came to the tomb first, and he, stooping down and looking in, saw the linen cloths lying there, yet he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb, and he saw the linen cloths lying there, and the handkerchief that had been around his head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded together in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who came to the tomb first went in also and he saw and believed for as yet they did not know or understand the scripture that he must rise again from the dead. Then the disciples went away again to their homes. Now verse 11, but Mary stood outside the tomb weeping and as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the tomb. Now watch this, verse 12. And she saw two angels in white One sitting at the head, the other sitting at the feet where the body of Jesus had laid. Do you see it? There was nothing there anymore, but empty space. The body of Jesus was no longer there. Jesus was about to ascend to his father in heaven so that the empty space could become a holy place. Notice the phrase where the body of Jesus had lain. As Mary looked in, she saw one angel at the feet and the other at the head and nothing in between but empty space. In a split second, I saw it. The body of Jesus was the seed for the body of Christ. The empty space was about to become a holy place called the church. The place where the presence of God would abide in the earth from then on. We as believers, as people, we are people who now live in Christ. Because of him, we've become the body of Christ. Look at Galatians 3.16. Wow. To Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He does not say, and to seeds as of many... But as of one and to your seed, capital S, who is Christ. So Christ literally became the seed. Jesus and his body became the seed through his death, burial and resurrection for the body of Christ to be without Jesus dying and resurrecting again. There would never have been a body of Christ. If the body of Jesus had not been committed to being a seed There would never have been a body of Christ. Look at with me at Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 9. It says this. God has also highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name. Hallelujah. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 5. Therefore, when he came into the world, he said, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you have prepared for me. Colossians 1, verses 17 and 18. And he is before all things, and in him all things consist And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things, he may have the preeminence. First Corinthians 12, 27. Now you are the body of Christ and members in particular. Wow. That phrase members in particular means that you have a place. You belong. We're better together. You're a part of something that's so big that it's all over the world. And yet you have a specific place. Ephesians 1 verses 22 and 23 says this, And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Do you know, without the body of Jesus physically dying and resurrecting, there would be no body of Christ. So, Why does this matter? Why am I making such a point of this today? Well, because now, because that happened, we are the place of His grace. St. Augustine is quoted as having said, without God, I can't, but without me, God won't. I love that. You know what? We are the body of Christ, we are the temple of the Holy Ghost, we are the church. And through us, the glory of God is literally going to cover the earth. Jesus is the healer, not us. Amen? But he has to have a body, a body of Christ, to be able to heal through. That's why we are his body. That's why it's impossible for healing to have passed away with the last of the original 12 apostles or disciples, like I was taught as a young man. As long as there is a body of Christ... There is going to be healing and the supernatural flowing through accomplishing the will of God. The church would have to pass away in order for healing to pass away. So healing is happening through us all over the place as the body of Christ. He is still the head and the church is us. He's the head. We're the body. And it's interesting, isn't it? To think about this, but we are all he has, There is not another body of Christ. This is it. We are part of something absolutely epic, something so big that it literally is not only all over the globe, but it's not only on earth, but in heaven as well. Heaven and earth are cooperating together because of what Jesus has done. Now, John 6, 28, 29 says this. They, the disciples said to him, Jesus, what shall we do that we may work the works of God? Jesus answered and said to them, this is the work that you believe in him whom he sent. So talking uh, sometimes with people after the healing school or in conferences or just around the world, it's interesting because many people think that in order to be working in a healing ministry or, or operating in a healing kind of ministry, they think you have to be some kind of super duper. Well, let me tell you, that is so not true. If you are a believer... You qualify to be part of the body of Christ. And in the body of Christ, God has anointed, he's called you, he's equipped you to be able to do through the word and through the spirit of God, everything that Jesus said that we would do. And he said, we're going to do the same works and even greater still, because now they're going to literally be all over the world. And that's exactly what's happening right now. I find this passage so encouraging. Let, let this encourage your heart today. Look with me at Mark chapter 16 and verse 14, when we talk about just, you know, quote, ordinary believers doing the work of the ministry. It says this in Mark 16, verse 14. Later he appeared to the 11 as they sat at the table and he rebuked their unbelief and their hardness of heart. This was after he had resurrected from the dead. He rebuked their unbelief and hardness of heart. Why? Because they did not believe those who had seen him after he had risen. And then he says to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. (laughs) I don't know if you find that as funny as I do, but here he is rebuking them for their unbelief and their hardness of heart. And then he says, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Listen, you know what? Sometimes you just have to start where you are and use what you have. You may not have arrived as Andrew often says, but we've left. And praise God that God uses ordinary people who just make themselves available to God's ability. He says to them in verse 18, go lay hands on the sick and they will recover. So we see him rebuking his disciples for their unbelief. And then he sends them out into the world just before he leaves to go back into heaven. Wow. I love that example. I mean, how would you feel? Talk about great faith, huh? So before Jesus ascended to be seated at the father's right hand, he promised he would send the spirit of God, didn't he? Uh, whom he called the spirit of truth and he called the spirit of God, the helper. I love that. He said he would come not just to be with us, but when the Holy spirit came to empower us, he would live in us and he would give us supernatural power to do supernatural results. Jesus had to give his life for us and then return to heaven so we could have the presence of God living on the inside of us. Not just Emmanuel, God with us now, but Christ in us, the hope of glory. Being filled with the spirit of God would equip us to do the same works that Jesus did. Say with me out loud, I am the place of his grace. I am the the one Jesus is building. I am one Jesus is building. I am the one who is growing. I am the one. And I'm the one experiencing life more abundantly. Amen. I love that. I'm the place of his grace. I'm the one Jesus is building. I'm the one who's growing and experiencing life more abundantly. So we talk about the body of Christ and, and being a part of this, but how does the body of Christ grow? How does the healing ministry of the church even happen? Well, in scripture, we find that the physical body is compared to the spiritual body of Christ. And it says that every joint supplies what is needed for the body part for it to grow and be effective. Think about this. If you were, you know, using the body analogy, if you were an arm just laying on the floor by itself, it wouldn't do you or your body a bit of good. You've got to be connected together, even though you may be functioning in a particular part of the body of Christ until you're connected and joined together, you will not be effective. This is what the Bible is trying to show us here. So in order to grow, we have to remain connected. We've got to stay abiding in the vine to be able to produce that fruit. We've got to get rooted and grounded in the word of God and get connected as the body of Christ and stay connected instead of being a lone ranger somewhere. We've got to be connected to the head who is Jesus. The body has to be connected to receive supernatural communication. Ephesians 4 says this, verses 11 through 16. And he himself Gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, or the building up, encouragement of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, though we should no longer be children tossed to and fro. And carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. But speaking the truth in love may grow up, hallelujah, may grow up in all things into him who is the head. Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. So what am I talking about? Well, the church is a supernatural family. It's a supernatural gathering together and it grows through the edifying. It grows up through the edifying of itself in love, but it doesn't happen without being joined and knit together by what every joint supplies. Every joint, notice Every joint supplies, not you. You're not the supply, but every joint supplies. So one part of the body is literally dependent on the other. We have to be connected to be functional and to be healthy. So what does this mean when it comes to healing? Well, First Corinthians 12 and verse 12 says, For as the physical body is one and has many members or many parts, but also the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. So listen, we can't just go off and do our thing. We've got, to be, we've got to be connected as a body of Christ. We've got to be connected to the source. We've got to stay where God has placed us as it pleases him because in that place is where we're going to receive the nourishment, the provision for us to be able to, be flowing in the supernatural power of God. This whole chapter is so good, but look at verse 25. 1 Corinthians 12, 25 says this, that there should be no schism or division, it's really what that word means in the Greek, in the body of Christ, but that the members should have the same care one for another. So did you know that the body of Christ is actually designed by God to help us heal? Healing comes... Through the body of Christ. What a powerful thing to realize that when we're connected as the body of Christ together, there's healing all over the place. Amen. One of our conferences that we do uh, here on our Colorado campus uh, is called Healing is Here. Many of you are already familiar with it. Uh, I love the conference because I'm so involved with healing ministry here. And I love to see people set free Uh, But I'm telling you, you get in this atmosphere of faith where thousands of people are coming together uh, over a common uh, ground, over a common goal, uh, and that is healing and wholeness and health. It's powerful. I tell people all the time, I dare you to go back to our archives of our healing school and stay sick. You know, we're going to make it really hard for you to stay sick when you're around people who believe in healing. That's what the body of Christ is intended to do. We should have the same care one for another. So let's talk about this a little bit. We as believers need to get off our blessed assurance and start helping one another. Amen? Start caring for one another. Start getting aggressive towards bondage and sickness and disease and and not being okay with sickness in those that we are connected to. Make it hard. For them to stay sick around you. This is what love does. Because love lives to give. John 13, verse 34 and 35, Jesus said this. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I've loved you. That you also love one another. And by this all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Wow. You know what? The world is waiting to see that. The world is waiting to see how we are caring. For each other. When one is sick, we're going to be someone's provision. We're going to be somebody's miracle. We're going to be somebody's healing. It's just waiting to happen because it's alive and well on the inside of us. And this is what love does. Love gets involved. Love cares. Love steps up. So watch this Acts chapter three and verse six. Then Peter said to the man at the gate, beautiful silver and gold. I don't have, but what I do have, I give you. See, if you know what you have, you can give it to somebody else. And this is what Peter did. He said, what I do have, I give you. And then then this is what happened. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And we're going to go into this a little bit later in the story, but that's exactly what happened. He rose up and he walked. Why? Because Peter gave what had been freely given to him. He gave out of that grace. He gave out of what had been freely given And so he freely gave it, and the result was a miracle, was a healing, was a life changed and transformed and restored. Man, I tell you what, we as a part of the healing ministry of the church today have so much opportunity around us all the time. God isn't, we're not waiting for God, God is waiting for us, amen? We're not waiting for healing to manifest, God's waiting for us to simply release what's already been given to us as the church, as believers, and let that healing be made manifest. I believe somebody's receiving healing right now. Even as I'm teaching right in this moment, someone is receiving healing right where you are right now. And I release that into your life, into your body right now through the gifts of the Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus. Woo! That's powerful. Thank you, Lord. So God designed the body of Christ to be a place of healing. The body of Jesus was a place of healing. So why wouldn't the same thing be true for the body of Christ? Jesus went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. So if that was true of the body of Jesus, then why wouldn't the body of Christ be the same thing as he is being represented all around the world? I love the end of the gospel of Mark in what we call the great commission. It says this in Mark 16, 20, and they went out. You know, that could be a big key right there. Instead of staying and sitting. No, these signs will follow those who go, go, go into all the world, go out and give what's been freely given to you. And Mark sixteen twenty says, as they went out and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word through the accompanying signs. Amen. The Lord working with them and confirming the word. You know what? That's the same thing that God will do through you today. That good news is that it's never stopped. We are still going out. The body of Christ is all over the globe now, and so is healing. Whenever you see healing happening in the scriptures, there was not only a big impact on the one person who was being healed, but there was also a big impact on the person, on the people, on the person, but on the people that that person was connected to, often even resulting in city transformation look with me at this passage now out of acts 3 1 through 10 that i was just mentioning earlier peter and john went up at the hour of prayer about the ninth hour which was about 3 p.m and a certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried now think about this this certain man who was lame had been, was carried there daily At the gate of the temple, which is called beautiful. Now, pause there just for a minute and and go over to Acts chapter 4 and verse 22. Because what we discover in Acts 4.22 is this man was over 40 years old on whom this miracle of healing had been performed. So, you know what that tells me? Go back now to, to Acts 3 verses 1 through 10. It says that this certain man was was lame from his mother's womb and was carried daily to this place at the gate of the temple, which is called beautiful. the, The gate called beautiful to ask alms of those who were entering the temple. So it tells me that this process was going on for probably around 40 years. I don't know, maybe 35 years. Who knows when it actually started as a little kid, but he'd been doing this for a lifetime. They'd carried him to this same place, this same limitation have been expressed daily, over and over and over again. But then, one day, I tell you what, I love suddenlies. I love Holy Ghost moments. Because Peter and John now, as disciples aren't just consumed with their own needs, but now they're living to give. They're, they're all about the gospel. They're, they're seeing the kingdom of God established. And now they're going out and and they're going to the temple at the hour of prayer, three o'clock in the afternoon. And as they approach the temple, they see this guy who's been there for approximately 40 years and seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, this guy is asking for alms and fixing his eyes on him with John and Peter Peter said, look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something, meaning money, from them. You know, most of the times when you see somebody who's homeless, or you see someone who is in a condition like this, the last thing we want to do is make eye contact, right? We want to look anywhere but into their eyes. But notice Peter says, look on us. Why? because there was an expectancy and that man thought that they were going to give him money. But listen to what he says, silver and gold. I don't have, I don't have anything on me right now, but what I do have, I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by his right hand and lifted him up and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he leaping up after 40 years Of not being able to do this ever. He's leaping up. He stood and walked and entered the temple with him. Walking, leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. Wow, I bet they did. Then they knew that it was he who sat begging alms at the gate beautiful or at the beautiful gate of the temple and they were filled. Watch what happened to their reaction. They were filled with wonder and amazement over what had happened to him. A few years ago, Carly Territz and myself were teaching our prayer training right here on this very stage. And I had just made a point, uh, you know, talking about, uh, our authority that we have in Christ. And all of a sudden there was this big commotion in the auditorium and I remember thinking, well, it was really powerful truth, but it wasn't like that good. And it had nothing to do with what we were teaching or what I had just said. But somebody over here in a wheelchair who had been in a wheelchair for years and years and years. It wasn't 40 years, but I believe it was almost 20 years. Had been in this wheelchair for a long, long time. And as he sat under the power of the word of God and the anointing and the spirit of God, he just decided, I'm not waiting any longer. Why not now? And he stood up out of his wheelchair and began to walk. And I tell you, the place just went crazy. Why? Because you know what? When we see the supernatural power of God, when we see the goodness of God, it causes all kinds of wonderful responses in people's hearts and lives because they know this is the true and living God. And the true gospel that is being preached has results that causes transformation in people's lives. We're seeing it all the time, and we're so grateful to God for His faithfulness and His goodness to the Word of God. Acts chapter 5, verses 12 through 16 says this, And through the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were done among the people. And they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch, yet none of the rest dared join them, but the people esteemed them highly. And believers were increasingly added to the Lord multitudes of both men and women so that they brought the sick out into the streets and laid them on beds and couches that at least the shadow of Peter passing by might fall on some of them. Also, a multitude gathered from the surrounding cities to Jerusalem, bringing sick people and those who were tormented by unclean spirits. And I love this. And they were all healed. Listen, this is the healing ministry of the church. It is such a lie that healing has passed away with the last apostle. It's impossible because it wasn't connected to the apostles. It was connected to the church. Jesus is the healer. And now as the body of Christ, healing is a part of the body of Christ. So we're going to see as we... Go further here in the teaching today, how powerful this can be, not only as an idea, but as a lifestyle for every one of us who are believers. Acts 6, 8. And Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and signs among the people. So, okay, you say, why did you include that verse? Well, here's why. Because Stephen was not an apostle. Stephen was not an apostle. He was a believer, but he wasn't an apostle. He wasn't an apostle. But look what God did through an ordinary believer who was filled with the Holy Ghost. What happened? Full of faith and power, Stephen did great wonders and signs among the people. There were healings happening all over the place. Look at Acts chapter 8, verses 4 through 8. Therefore, those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. In other words, when persecution hit, they scattered, went everywhere, but they didn't stop talking. No. They they stopped uh they they didn't stop talking. They, they started sharing the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ wherever they went with signs following. They went everywhere preaching the word. Then Philip, who by the way, was not an apostle, went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them and the multitudes. Hallelujah. The multitudes with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits uh, crying with a loud voice came out of many who were possessed and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. Now watch this. And there was great joy in that city. See, this is what happens when the supernatural power of God is allowed to be expressed in the church and the church, wherever the church is, not just within the four walls of a building, but as people, as supernatural called out ones, wherever we go, healing goes, the power of God goes. We see the healing ministry happening in the church, in scripture, and praise God in our lives today. Look with me at Acts chapter 9. Verse 10, it says, Now there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias, who, again, was not an apostle. And look what happened in verses 17 and 18 of Acts 9. And Ananias went his way and entered the house of Saul, who was killing Christians just weeks before this, by the way. And Ananias, laying his hands on Saul, said... Think about if you were Ananias, knowing that this guy had been a guy who was killing Christians, and now you've been called by the Holy Ghost on assignment to lay your hands on this guy. Hallelujah. So Ananias says, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you came, has sent me that you might receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately there fell from his eyes Something like scales and he received his sight at once and he arose and was baptized. How would you like to be a part of of somebody who literally, like the Apostle Paul, wrote a good portion of the New Covenant and literally transformed Christianity forever? I mean, if you were Ananias, it'd be pretty significant, wouldn't it? Well, how many of you know there's divine appointments waiting for you right where you are? Right now, today. Divine appointments are waiting for you. Just like Ananias heard from the Lord, the Lord is sending you. He's called you out to send you out to see the gospel communicated all around the world with signs and wonders following the preaching and the teaching of the word of God. Of course, you know, with the apostle Paul, after this, we see huge city transformation. We see country transformation, nation transformation through Saul being transformed into Paul all through the obedience of Ananias. Hallelujah. Acts 19, 11 and 12, God worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul so that even handkerchiefs or aprons were brought from his body to the sick and the diseases left them and the evil spirits went out from them. Acts 20, Verses seven through 12. Now on the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul ready to depart the next day, spoke to them and continued his message until midnight. There were many lamps in the upper room where they had gathered together. And in a window sat a certain young man named Eutychus, who was sinking into a deep sleep. <laughs> he was overcome by sleep. And as Paul continued speaking, he fell down from the third story and was taken up dead. But Paul went down, fell on him and embracing him said, do not trouble yourselves for his life is in him. Now, when he'd come up and broken bread and eaten and talked a long while, even till daybreak, he departed and they brought the the young man in alive. And I love this. And they were not a little comforted. In other words, they were not just a little comforted. They were really, really happy and excited over what had happened. This young man named Eutychus had died. And the supernatural actions of Paul brought this young man back to life again. And notice Paul just goes on. He comes back up after he, he uh, ministers healing to this man and literally sees his life restored. He comes back up and breaks bread and goes on with life. And then he departs as if it is supernaturally ordinary. You know what? That's what God's called us to as the church. We should be experiencing miracles and healings and signs and wonders as an everyday occurrence as we walk with Jesus. James chapter five, verse 14 and 16 says this. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church. Notice the sick one is the one who calls for the elders of the church, not the elders calling sick as is so often the case today. But is anyone sick among you, let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, the sick one, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save or heal the sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Notice the sick person is the one to reach out. Hallelujah. If there was some kind of personal sin that may have opened the door to sickness in this, in this person's case, no problem. Forgiveness is given and received hallelujah for God's grace hallelujah for God's mercy that is new every single morning so long before there was a body of Christ even in the old covenant we see people helping people win how much more should we be seeing this now in the new covenant well I'm not going to turn there but in Acts, in Exodus uh, 17 Chapter 17, verses 11 through 14, is the story of Moses when they were in that huge battle. And God had told Moses, he said, Moses, as long as your arms are lifted up, you're going to win the battle. But if your arms are not lifted up, you are not going to win the battle. Well, you know what? After a while, Moses' arms started getting tired. And thank God for two men, Aaron and Hur, who came alongside and helped Moses. What if Aaron and Hur hadn't been there? Or what if Moses had been, you know, saying to himself, I, I know I'm supposed to keep my arms up, but I'm feeling so weak right now. What is wrong with me? I feel so weak. Well, you know what? Sometimes when you're in a healing journey, there are times when you do feel weak. There are times when, when you just, you know, the naturalness of life may try to literally consume you. How great is it? to have somebody come and lift up your arms, literally come alongside of you to stand with you and to help you. This is what God has designed for us as the body of Christ to do on a regular basis. Here is an old covenant example, even in Exodus chapter 17. So before anyone really knew about the church like we do today, they did know that Jesus was a healer and they knew that he could do miracles. But when the word got out, people helped other people receive their provision. And that's the way that God intended for it to be. In Luke 5, 17 through 21, some men carried, for, carried this man who was paralyzed and they literally took the roof off in order to get this man to Jesus. I'm telling you, people are, are, are wonderful when we begin to realize the power that we have literally to help one another. And so I want to just end with this today. John 14, 12, again, we know this verse so well, but most assuredly I say to you, this is Jesus speaking, and he doesn't just say, you know, here it is, but he says, most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these he will do, because I go to the Father. Listen, Jesus is alive, the church is alive, healing is alive. So the question is, what do you believe? Have you been taught like I was taught that the supernatural power of God, healing, the gifts of the spirit all passed away with the last apostle? Well, you know what? We've just completely debunked that lie. Amen. We completely just said, no, there's no way. We see clearly from Scripture that even people who were not apostles were operating in the supernatural power of God, operating as normal believers, and that as a part of the church, this has gone on now since the church began in the second chapter of the book of Acts. Listen, the church was born in power. The church is going to go out in power. When Jesus returns to come and get us, I'm telling you, we're not going to get weaker and weaker. We're going to go from glory to glory we're going to go from strength to strength we're going to see more of the kingdom of god being exalted in the earth and the bible says where sin abounds grace does much more abound so i want to pray for you today because i believe that god has abounding grace for you and god has enlarged the the uh the territory of your heart today literally to be able to say god i'm going to believe you for the impossible And not only in my life, but I want you to do through me what you've done in me, because as I have been freely given to, I want to freely give out and I want to see transformation not only happen to a person, but to my community, to my city, to my state, to my nation. Come on, let's do it. Amen. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for transformation from the inside out. Thank you that we've been called to be a part of something bigger than ourselves called the church not only have we been called, but we've been called out of the world. We've been called out to be called in. And Lord God, thank you that as we are in the church, as we are the church, as we are being that people that are filled with the word of God and the power of God, the presence of God, we are going to see healing operating in us and operating through us to the glory of God. Thank you that we are the body of Christ that you have taken our empty space and you have literally turned it into a holy place and you are causing transformation in us to happen through us. Lord, we bless you for that. We thank you for the kingdom of God that is alive and well. Thank you that the blind are seeing, the deaf are hearing, the lame are walking. The glory of God is being communicated around the world because of Jesus. Lord, we love you and we bless you. and We thank you. That we get to be a part of what you are doing in the earth today. And we say, Lord God, your kingdom come, your will be done in us as it's done in heaven. And we give you all the praise and all the thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
1: My medical? <laughs> well, <laughs> glad you got in. <laughs> So, um, any revelation anything he said that just really I just really like the way that he um, talked about the commission of the church and a lot of times we don't see the church as a healing place Um, and it should be it should be a healing place emotionally and and um, physically you know um and I it was I never really thought about what he said either about um calling the sick person calling for the elders. Mm-hmm. Yep. That was that was kind of unique to me because I was thinking, Well that's what the scriptures say but it seems like it's kind of played out the other way around. Um so I thought it was kinda of interesting how he said just a just a different perspective that I had never thought about. Um that was right there, finest day in the scriptures, because
2: <laughs> that's what the scriptures say. So. I think just like the the man that you know was at the temple, mm-hmm. and he'd been brought there every day to, to give alms, and you know he was looking at he was looking at Peter, and he was expecting something, mm-hmm. and he pointed out money. But I liked what Andrew said, you know, teaching years ago, mm-hmm. that he said that. The expectation that the man had that he was going to receive something. Yeah. So you know, those people who call for the elders, they're expecting to see something. Sure. And I think the church sometimes has fallen down because they they kind of beg people for, well, "Do you need prayer? Who, who needs prayer today? You know?" And yeah. come up, come on, please come up here and we'll pray for you. you know? <laughs> yeah. and so yeah. I think I think in a lot of ways there's there's people that you know, they have been taught that, you know, the church the church is for preaching or the church is for giving money or or whatever it is, but the church is not a place where I'm gonna go and have my prayers met. Yeah, right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's good. Well they say
3: they say the words, you know, pray for this or pray for that or there's no teeth behind it today. Mm. It's just words. Mm. This puts teeth behind it.
1: Yeah, true. That's yeah. good. That's a good one. Yeah. 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 I thought it was really good. I like what you said. We aren't waiting for healing to start, God is waiting for us to release it. Absolutely.
3: And I think that's what gets missed a lot. Yeah. like, oh a healing. It's like,
1: oh Yeah. You really said it. It's in us. Right. The healer is in us. Yeah. Yes. yeah. The healer is in us. It's not out here, something we're trying to get. The healer is in us. Healing is in us. I like what he said about the empty space. Yes. Empty space. I can't remember it exactly, but
3: that you know, we became the sanctuary. We became mm-hmm. that empty space where
1: God is. Right, right. right. Mm-hmm. So
2: that was a good thought. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Tying it back to the mercy seat. Yes,
1: mm-hmm. yes. Yes, mercy seat.
3: And I like the um, helping people to, to get their healing. Yes. Like, the lifting of the arms with
1: yeah. Aaron and her, and the, mm-hmm. um, you know, cause some of those people are just, they're just weak, and unless yeah. you help them, you know, yeah. You know, yeah. it's just important. It is, it is, it is. Bury one another's burdens, set <laughs> of the law of Christ. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Care for one another, help those that need healing. I think he's commissioned the whole body to be healers. Yes.
2: <laughs>
1: We've all been commissioned.
2: So. I think I just assumed that like Philip and some of those other ones were apostles. Yes. came afterwards, They're not the original 12. Yes. Soil, but,
1: yes. Right, right. It wasn't just for the... Yeah, it wasn't just for the super-dupers. It was for the whole body. And I believe that's why Jesus said, go into all the world, preach the gospel, heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons, freely you received, freely give. Well, we, we've all received that. So let's go freely give. <laughs> Amen.
2: Yeah, you know he, he used Acts a lot. And he yeah. was talking about, you know, he, he talked about you know, Philip and everybody. But, you know, we, we kind of relegate everything to, well, there were certain things that was in the Old Testament. There were certain things during Jesus' time. There were certain things that happened all the way up until John passed away, right? Yeah. But, you know, right there, and he didn't talk about it, but, you know, someone that's been kind of on my, my heart over the last few years is that, and you don't really know this until, unless you go to study it out. Is that twice in Acts? It talks about Agabus. Mm-hmm. It talks about prophecy. It talks about how he prophesied that it wasn't going to rain. He also went and prophesied to Paul and said, "Hey, you're going to be bound," <laughs> you know. And 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 you know, there was all the different parts of the body in the New Testament way mm-hmm. that was being utilized in Acts, and that sometimes we don't take those things and say, "Well, you know, they're." There are opportunities for us to use our gifts. Because I think there's a lot of people that maybe in here that you say, hey, I don't really know what my gifts are. I don't know, I don't know how to use my gifts. I don't know how to go lay hands on people. You know, mm-hmm. I feel scared to go and, and talk to someone or or do something. And you can see throughout the book of Acts where people were they, they were bold. Mm-hmm. But there were also, there was a, an expectation, there was, you know, there was people who wanted that, you yeah. know, that, the, and that, that's something I think that we need to, to go back and, and actually study, you know, Acts, because not a lot of people do talk about that, you know, yeah. but study how do we, you know, how, how in our everyday lives, looking at some of these people, they were just at work, yeah. they were just going and doing their thing, mm-hmm. You know, and and they were, some people were expecting, some people weren't. And the people who expected, the people who stepped out, they saw miracles. Yeah. We need to step out. We need to say, I'm going to step out today. I'm going to do something I haven't maybe done before. Yeah. And I'm going to see something happen. Amen. That's a good
1: word. Good well, word. You know, uh, Lydia, you
3: know, she had a business. Yeah. But she's down at the river praying. Yeah. You know, and so she incorporated that into mm-hmm. her everyday life. And, um, you know. Amen. Some of the women that followed Jesus and mm-hmm. <laughs> provided the money <laughs> yeah. for the ministry, you know, Absolutely. they were just everyday people. Yeah. But they were every joint supply
1: Absolutely.
3: to make it happen.
1: That's right.
2: Well, you know, and, and, you know, so do people think that God loved my great-great-grandfather better than everybody else, Cornelius?
1: Uh, (laughs) Cornelius.
2: (laughs) (laughs) But do you think that people, that that God loved Cornelius more than he loved everybody else? I mean, he actually got Peter out of his prayer time, showed him all the things that he did, and sent him sent angels, did all this other stuff because because Cornelius didn't understand what it was meant to be saved, right? Wow. So so if we're sitting there going, you know what Lord, I don't know like what the problem is. You know, I tell this story all the time here at church that, you know, Kaylee, our our oldest child, she was, you know, she was having these stomach issues. <laughs> And we would prayed for her. I mean, we were laying hands on her. We were believing God. We were doing all these different things. And we were in her bedroom at Longwood. And all of a sudden, we decided to pray. And I think Heather said, Lord, show us what the problem is. Because just laying on hands, just believing God, it ain't doing it, right? And so we're sitting there. and. And we said, Amen, and Kaylee reaches over there and grabs this tube of stuff and she starts rubbing it on her back and on her on her neck and all this stuff and and it was just like automatically the Holy Spirit just talked to Heather and said, Wait a minute, what are you what are you putting on there? You know? And she looked it up and thirteen percent of girls for this particular, you know, medicine, it caused stomach issues. And Heather said, "Take it off. Go wash yeah. that off." And over the next few days, her stomach issues went away. Yeah. Well, I mean, you can believe God all day long and be drinking poison, and it's like you're stupid. <laughs> right. So, you know, so yeah. don't, you know yeah. don't be ignorant. Go find out. What, yeah. what it is? Yeah. Seek you first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. That's good. You know, I tell people all the time, you don't know what to believe God for. Seek, seek first. Seek the kingdom.
1: first. Yeah. yeah.
2: Because you know. Sometimes I don't know what the problem is. I may need to go to a doctor and say, what's happening here? Right. So then I can start believing God. I can start seeing things come to pass. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's... It, sometimes we're just ignorant. We
3: don't believe that, that we can discern no. beyond, you know, just claiming a scripture. That right. there can be a, a, a specific thing or... Right. It, it yeah. just it's wisdom. It is. Mm-hmm. It it's is. It's hidden
1: wisdom that we ask for it and he opens our eyes. We and a lot that's of right.
3: times it's something that's kind of been there all
1: along, just, just insert. Just just yeah. that's, that's good. It's good work. Amen. Anything else on this one? All right.